Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,661. Buckle up, baby. We're talking IndyCar racing today. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm very revved up and very excited to be talking with you today from uh, Indianapolis, home of the Indy 500 with racer Dalton Khaled. Dalton, welcome to Cars Yeah, my friend. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go, Mark. This should be a fun episode. We'll have some fun for sure. Now, before I give you a proper introduction here, Dalton, I want you to share one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you that might be kind of interesting see what might people not know so i i'm from canada obviously that's my home country i uh went to french school growing up so i speak english and french we bilingual and then after high school i went through engineering physics at queen's university so i have an engineering degree which is not too common for a race car driver Right. Yeah, that's pretty unique. You're one smart guy, engineering degree. My wife has an engineering degree. So I know you got to have some brains in your head to get one of those. That's for sure. Well, very good. Well, my French, uh, I took some French in college. I remember very little. I can order a croissant, but that's probably about it. And I can say we, I can say we but that's about it. I, it's kind of faded away, but uh, that's very cool. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. I want to dive into this uh, very important first year for you. Of course, you had to do it in the year of COVID. Darn it. But we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Don Kellett made his NTT IndyCar racing debut this year driving on the AJ Foyt racing team, and he ran in the Indy 500 as a rookie. He drove for Andretti Autosport in the first three years of his Indy Light career before moving to Junko's Racing for his final light season in 2019. Dalton, as he said, was born in Toronto, Ontario, and he currently lives in Indianapolis, a cool racing city. With a lifelong passion for racing, he became he began karting at the age of 14, and he climbed the Canadian and international go-karting ranks and competed in the Road to Indy Open Wheel Development Program. His passion for academics, though, runs very deep with STEM, and we're going to talk about that as well, has been coupled with racing, balancing education and racing, which is a cornerstone of his go-karting and junior open uh, wheel career. He talked about graduating uh, from the French school and also Queen's University with a Bachelor of Science degree in engineering and physics. This is one smart cookie. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Dalton, but first a, a thank you from our sponsors here. They make the show possible. Sit back, sit tight. We are at Indy, baby. We're going racing. We'll be right back. Did you know that Covercraft is much more than car covers? They offer protection for the inside of your vehicles as well. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, Covercraft makes a floor mat, a cargo area protection product just for your vehicle. Their plush, custom-fit floor mats turn any ride into something special. Their premier Berber custom floor mats, which are a favorite of mine, if you want something very stylish and unique for your favorite ride, they also have Weather Shield floor liners that provide ultimate protection for heavy dirt mud snow and slush their carhartt custom cargo liners not only look great but keep your rear cargo area and seats protected from the kids the pets or whatever's going on back there do you have a pet that destroys your vehicles covercraft has you covered for that too with a wide variety 
of pet protection options. Is your vehicle getting a little long in tooth? There's no better way to give it a new car look than with a custom fit floor and trunk mat. I replace mine every few years with something a little different just for fun. All your options are easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Don't forget your trunk too. Custom fit trunk liners for sedans, coupes, and SUVs are perfect to protect the factory carpet from all those things that can stain, tear, and damage your carpets. Check out Covercraft.com for the huge number of styles, colors, and options that you'll love. And I've got a deal for you here at Cars Yeah. If you use the Yeah 120 code at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order on me. Go to Covercraft.com, use the code Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout and get 10% off today. Covercraft, they've got you covered. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. With all the time, effort, and money you've put into your classic vehicles, do you know how much you would receive if yours was stolen, damaged, or totaled in an accident or a fire? Your regular auto insurance carriers won't tell you until after the claim, and more than likely, you'll be in for a rude awakening. With an agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you'll get with an agreed value policy. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love. Tell them Mark Green at Cars Yeah sent you. That's American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, folks just like you and me. All right, Dalton, we are back and I want you to share with me a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying maybe that you live by, something that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the indie tires smoking here on cars. Yeah. So Dalton, grab the wheel. Oh, success quote. I think the, uh, never really been one for like inspirational quotes or, you know, like things plastered on your wall or, or any of that. But my role models growing up as a kid were my dad and my grandfather, you know, they, they're both worked in the trade being linemen. And uh, my dad actually went to Queens as well for electrical engineering. And just the, you know, the work ethic and the importance of finding something that you love to do, but also being willing to sacrifice and apply yourself fully to that goal. I think that's an important life lesson that I, that I learned, you know, from their example growing up. Nice to have mentors like that in your life for mm. sure. And obviously the smart gene runs in your family. So yeah. that's another benefit as well. Just to jump back on that though, one one thing that I did here this year that actually kind of stuck out because when especially moving up to IndyCar, when we're talking about strategy for the races and all that, I think it's an Eisenhower quote. I think he said, plans are useless. Planning is essential. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, it's kind of a riff on that, like best plan doesn't survive first contact with the enemy type thing. And I think when you're looking at your race strategy or your season strategy or if it's you know, business or whatever you happen to be doing, the process of preparing for all of the eventualities is very important. But oh, yeah. the one, the way you the way you think it'll play out probably isn't going to happen. Well, of course not, especially in a race. Every time something happens, the whole strategy changes. I, I've interviewed hundreds of race car drivers, and many of them have said, and I would assume you would agree, many a race is won and lost with proper or improper planning far before the race 
even begin. So yeah, I can't even imagine. Well, let's talk about this. First and foremost, you're racing on AJ Foyt Racing. Oh my gosh, talk about a, a legend, an icon, a guy that's been there, done that. Uh, and we're going to talk about STEM as well, because I'm really interested in the importance of that in your life. But let's start with your debut at the Indy 500. Now, I know it didn't end the way you wanted it to end. However, what's it like working with AJ, first and foremost? And then what was that first race like? It must be overwhelming, the buildup to that event. And then also, I want you to touch a little bit on uh, this very wacko world we're living in right now with COVID and how that affected running at the Indy 500. I think this is the first time they ever ran with no people in the stands, which... Mm is crazy. Now, for those of us who can't go every year, I've been to the Indy 500 a few years. It's a magical event. But let's start with with racing for AJ. I mean, what a team. It is. It's an amazing organization. And to have the opportunity to represent their brand and their legacy as a rookie is a big honor. And I'm happy to be there. You know, they're a great group of people to work with. You know, Larry, AJ's son, AJ, the rest of the team, they want to be competitive. They want to push the team, the drivers, engineers, everyone to 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 be better. I've really enjoyed it. It definitely adds an, an element of uh, pressure when you get to Indy because you know, everyone knows AJ and everyone you know loves AJ, right? So there's some added sort of oomph there to get things going. But I, I thought our, our overall performance at Indy was pretty good, and I, I was happy with you know getting up to speed as a rookie and having AJ there in the garage to kind of give advice was great. And he's got lots of you know, lots of very relevant tip and stuff for for a rookie that that, that, that was really useful. Leading up to that race, give us some kind of an idea of what this is like uh, as a rookie. Uh, I had Lynn St. James on the show long ago, and she talked about that first time running at Indy. And I've been friends with her for a long time now. And then coming back, running again and again. But there's nothing like that first time. You talk about obvious pressure. You want to do really well. And then you're with AJ and his team. You've got to do really well. How do you cope with that? How did you cope with that immense pressure leading up to the day? And then touch on what was that first day like, that getting Mm -hmm. in the car that morning and and going racing? So coping with it, I think it does go back to that sort of planning and preparation thing that we were talking about earlier. That's a huge part of being ready for an event that's that big. You can't just show up on race day or on opening day and just expect to wing it, right? There's a lot of background work that has to go into it. It really starts, especially competing in, in the road to Indy program the experience racing on ovals going through those leagues was very helpful having run at indy and done well there in in indy lights i think was a big you know kind of confidence boost going into that event and then from the specifically planning for the 500 this year it was we we knew it would be different with covid that probably took some of the pressure off because it can be really chaotic when you have hundreds of thousands of people there on race day and then lots of fans there on practice days and qualifying and it's like to get from gasoline alley to the pit can be difficult because people are stopping for autographs and pictures which is great but as as a rookie there's just so much going on so we didn't have that this year so that was a bit different and then you know being physically prepared mentally prepared you know doing simulator work all of that beforehand kind of helps you get in the zone and be more ready to perform when when you're on track for the first time being there as a rookie it was a different year, a special year, hopefully one that we won't see again without fans not being there, because I think that's the kind of the heart and soul of the event, and the, the IndyCar fan base is really passionate, and I think as a major you know, professional sport, we're really lucky that we have a great connection with our fans. We're very accessible compared to other forms of motorsport, and you know, we're, we love that side of it, and it really hit me 
the first time I walked out on the pit line on, on, on a setup day, seeing the stands empty, because, you know, you, you'll be at, at IMS for events and stuff during the year, and it's like, there's no one there, because it's like, it'll be in, like in February, like you're there for something, right? It doesn't seem weird to not see people there, but walking out for that first time on the pit lane the day before we were on track and seeing the empty stands and then realizing, okay, well, that's what it's going to look like on race day. The same silence, the same eerie quiet is going to be the same as my first time walking to grid for the 500. And like, that's when it hit me that like, this is a different year. So that was kind of my rookie experience. So like I said, it was maybe a little more low key than a normal year, but it came with the challenge of not having buzz and you, you had a lot more time to kind of sit around and not, you know, just with your own thought. It was a different year for sure. Well, absolutely. You look at what they're doing, let's say in NFL, where they actually tape in crowd sounds mm. because they found <laughs> for the players, it's so weird. Shoes squeaking on the court too much. Well, and also they're picking up things that they probably shouldn't be hearing uh, if they're airing it on television because without probably, the crowd yeah. sound to drum it out. What was your biggest surprise when they first gave the green signal and you guys took off? Was there anything in those first laps that you kind of went, Whoa, I didn't expect that. Yeah, I don't think I've actually talked about this in an interview before. So this will be kind of a, the first time I've sort of All right, explained it. All right, I get a scoop it. here. <laughs> yeah, explain this. So but the first time you do Indy, right, you'll have, and I'm fortunate that I live in Indy and I, I you know, work out with the Pit Fit guys. So there's a bunch of the IndyCar guys that already train there. So I kind of have known these guys for a while and, you know, they'll kind of tell you, oh, expect this for your first 500 or like watch out for this and being on AJ Foyt racing this year with Charlie Kimball and Tony Cannon at the 500, you know, they're both very experienced and they had lots of, you know, tips and stuff to help me and, you know, kind of things to think about for the, for that first race. And one of the things that they said was that the arrow wash and the draft going into turn one off the start three wide, 11 rows of three in, into one at India is like nothing you've ever experienced in your life. And I was like, okay, fair. It, it will be like the Indy light start, but, but a little bit worse, right? Like a, like a more, more buffeting, more draft, less downforce, the car will feel a bit more light, but it'll be a standard like oval start. And that's not really what happened. We started row eight and going into one, when you're that far back, that many cars in front of you traveling over 200 miles an hour punches such a, a definitive and large kind of hole through through the air. As they're turning through one, that, that airstream is almost following the pack cars. Mm -hmm. And even though you're lifting and not like driving into the corner because everyone's checking up. The car is still accelerating and you're actually being pulled into the corner. So the, the car is turning without wheel input and that experience of like my hands are straight, but my car is rotating. Oh my God. It was, yeah, it was almost disorientating for a split second, right? It was like, yeah. like, a, like just a moment of like, whoa, that's vertigo. But then it's like, <laughs> okay, now I know what I'm doing. I'm back normal. But just that, that experience of the car pulling itself into the corner without you turning the wheel was like i've never experienced that oh my gosh i can't even imagine especially at those yeah. speeds with all that build up and your heart's racing and you're trying to think through everything and all of a sudden the car does something he's never done before yeah is there something wrong is there something wrong with the yeah, steering like, well, what's happening <laughs> yeah oh my gosh i can't uh can't even imagine well i want to talk a little bit about your impressions your thoughts about stem because stem is so important it's this new terminology that's happened in academics over the years and it's an important thing in your life so let's talk about that yeah so stem you know first of all it's, it's for those who don't know it's an acronym science technology engineering and math sometimes people like to throw that throw an a in there steam science technology engineering art and math and it's not its own program it's more of a like a an area of an academic area of focus or professional area of focus right so all of the careers like in engineering and science they all fall under that stem kind of 
mm-hmm. umbrella. And for me, it's it's always been an important thing. You know, I obviously have an engineering degree. I'm a techie kind of guy. I love cars, love aerospace, air, you know, planes, rockets, all that. Like I'm really, really into that. And I firmly believe that as a society, we can benefit from having more scientific literacy. Our smartphones, our computers that you and I are talking over now, like I think this technology, uh, you know, social media, all, all of that, like all, all of this technology that we're integrated with on a daily basis, I think it's important that we, as a society, have an understanding of how all, all of that works. And then from a, really from a decision-making and thinking standpoint, I think the engineering kind of problem-solving methodology is a useful skill to have. So I like to use my racing platform as a way to promote those career paths and academic paths to young students who might be thinking what I want to do when I graduate from high school. Just as an athlete, I think it's a good way to put your platform to use. Absolutely. I just had, you know, I was just talking to my son about this last night. He's 26 years old. He works in the tech world. He works for that little company called Google. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Heard and, of them before. Yeah, a few of us have. And he was saying how he's he really feels frustrated that schools are not doing a good job. And the fact that they don't teach people how to do much. And as we got into it, we talked about the same thing with science, technology, even the arts, hands-on. We don't have to think about things anymore. And I remember my high school, I'm a lot older than you, and I was in high school in the 70s. And my math teacher, we had got these new things called calculators. And I remember a kid in the classroom going, Mr. Skelly, Mr. Skelly, why do we need to learn this? We got this these devices are going to just do this for us. Yeah. And he got really angry. And I don't remember what he said, because when you're in high school, I was more concerned about what the waves were going to be at lunchtime so I could catch a few <laughs> a few uh, surf waves. But getting, he said, well, you still need to be able to think. You still yeah. need to be able to do it. And even you think about all these wonderful tools, but they've taken away our ability to think. And you, you said social media. In many ways, social media has taken away people's ability to think. They just read this stuff and they believe everything they read. Yeah. So these STEM courses are so important. I'm, I'm so glad to see someone, a young man like you, because you're 27, right? Yep. Yeah, 27, yep. that you're promoting this for young people that are coming through the importance of learning how to do things. You think about engineers that work on race cars that have to work with their hands and their brains to make these machines go as fast as they do and do the things they do. So are there some places that you would advise young people and old people like me? Did I just call myself old? I think I did. Uh, As my daughter calls me boomer. Thank you. Thank you very much, daughter. That people can go and learn more about STEM. Are there some specific places? Well, I think, you know, you hit on a good point with social media and how it does have, you know, there are some negatives to it, but there's also some great positives. That actually is a great platform for people to connect with, people that do outreach in, in STEM, such as myself, obviously you can follow me and follow along with what I'm doing, but a lot of that's going to be racing content. There's STEM celebrities out there, right? Like your Neil deGrasse Tyson, your Bill Nye, Chris Hadfield. I would suggest, you know, go and follow all the NASA astronauts. They post really cool social content. And then, and, and also the NASA accounts, you know, there's lots of really cool stuff there. Uh, I think I follow Neil deGrasse Tyson on, on most of his platforms. Again, he kind of always posts sort of neat facts and stuff. And, that for me is you know like a more of a kind of a bite-sized sort of outlet where, where I get STEM and YouTube. There's lots of STEM content creators on those platforms, like your your Scott Manleys or those kind of guys. I think that's a great way to you know kind of get a entertainment sort of 
exposure to the STEM, and then academically, uh, you know, your standard science and engineering math courses. I actually work with an organization called 1080 Education, their International STEM League, mm-hmm. and that's uh, basically a program where high and middle school students design and build and race 10 scale RC cars. Yeah. Which, if you're familiar with Formula SAE, it's kind of a lot like that. And to your point earlier about the schools aren't teaching hands-on, it's like those kind of programs are really where you, I think, where you, if you're in an academic setting, uh, engaging in like an extracurricular program like a Formula SAE or a Baja team or like if university has like a rocket team or something like that. Yeah. That hands-on experience, I think, is really critical. And for me, that was the biggest sort of place where I learned the most in a, in a STEM kind of setting when I was going to school. Absolutely. I had uh, Drew Feustel, who's a NASA oh, yeah. astronaut, uh, as a yep. guest on my show. My first, so far, and only. He's a good friend, yeah. He's a huge race fan. Well, he is a race fan, and, and he said, you know, it's his passion for cars that eventually got him into the NASA program, and the fact that he loved to work on cars, he restores cars, and he talked about in my show, being up there, and his first role doing a spacewalk was to fix the space camera that was up there that they were using, and he could get the the nut undone so they could take the camera yeah. off and he's going i got all the way up here and i can't get he goes i'm getting this thing nut off and he did it he figured out a way to do it but he said i i kind of tied on i went back to my old roots of how do you get that loose nut you know off yeah. of a transmission all the way in space and i still can't find my 10 mil sock oh gosh well yeah the 10 mils floating <laughs> up there in outer space somewhere with the, all the other space junk up there so that's actually an interesting tie-in sorry so drew and i actually went to the same university yeah separated by about 15 years but <laughs> yeah well you'll get there you'll who knows you could be racing in space someday we might have you never know you never know yeah they life is interesting you know, I always like to talk about a big challenge and the reason i want you to bring one up in your life even a big failure is how'd you work through that what was the positive end so walk us through one of those times i mean being a race car driver my gosh you guys are fraught with challenges ups and downs one week you're a winner the next week maybe not so take us to one of those parts of your life and kind of walk us through how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career and your life i think we can take a recent example there the uh this year has been my rookie year in IndyCar, and it's amazing to get the opportunity to be here and to be racing in, in the Indy 500 and competing in five or so other race weekends. But we've had a relatively tough year, and across the board, on the Foyt team, our road course pace has been, been pretty tough. And uh, it can be really hard when you're, you know, you're coming in as a rookie and you want to do well, you want to compete well compared to the other rookies coming in. When the, when the results aren't there, you have to during the season, basically evaluate and say, okay, why is this not coming together for us? And then with the engineers and, and the, the team kind of work out, okay, what, what do we need to tweak in our approach to these weekends or, or, or our setups to you know, get more out of the car? And then you have to look at yourself and say, what am I doing? What could I be doing differently from a technique or preparation standpoint to give mm-hmm. us a better chance to put it all, to put it all together? And you know, as, as a rookie, um, I think we have amazing fans in racing, but the you know the the, the like one one struggle that any sort of public pers- persona has, right, is that you're you're out there on social media, right? So people will have their opinions, positive and negative. And coming from lights to IndyCar, you're a lot more exposed, right? So I hadn't really been exposed to too much like negative feedback on like social media before. So like seeing that and people kind of coming after me for lack of performance or whatever, mm-hmm. that was kind of difficult to work through. But I basically came to the realization that you know. Negative tweets don't equal negative horsepower, so I don't really care what you have to say. <laughs> now, there's a great um, quote. I like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, so just like as a as a rookie, kind of basically having an up and down season in this first year, it's been hard, but it's been an exercise and staying mentally in it and just to keep working and keep pushing forward. And that's the big learning takeaway here. Yeah. I always say, ignore the naysayers, ignore that negativity. I know it's hard to do, but I know even when you think about other sports figures, some of them just ignore it. They don't read it. They don't read their own press. Uh, Sometimes you can learn from it though. I know the first time I got any negative comments when I started doing podcasting, I was like devastated, you know, and but then I started thinking about it going, well, look, if you're not pleasing everyone, then you're probably doing something right. You're probably, probably doing something right. So, uh, yeah, uh, just don't take it to heart. Just keep focusing on what you have to focus on there, Dalton. You're going to be fine. I have all the faith in the world. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to talk a little bit about your past, this passion for racing that developed in your life. So keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over a hundred podiums, multiple Daytona wins and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're racer and the Racers Group team owner, Kevin Buckler, you start Adobe Road Winery. It's located in Petaluma, California, and he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, in the 24. Today, I'm going to talk about Shift. This wine was awarded 93 points by Robert Parker's Wine Advocate. It's balanced and spicy with dark blueberries and a cigar aroma. The unique bottle shape features a vintage-inspired metal gated shift back with carbon fiber, and the cork is topped with a five-speed shift knob. That's right. There's going to be some battles at the dinner table on who gets to keep the cork after this bottle has been enjoyed. The Racing Series is a delicious gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in caps, at checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of the wines from the Racing Series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout and get $10 off your purchase from the Racing Series today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYEAH today. Cheers! My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, Use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right, $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yow for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. 
So Dalton, when we look back on time here, uh, tell me a story that instigated your personal passion for cars and for racing. What was that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that, you know what, I'm a car guy and I want to be a racer? So the racing side of it is this is a very Canadian story. When I was a young kid, probably two and a half years old, I actually have the home videos. I was looking at them this year because we were doing some social media stuff. The first thing I ever raced was actually a Skidoo. It, was, well, it, wasn't a, it, was, it was an Arctic cat. It was like a 60cc two-stroke. They were called, a little, little kitty cat. It looked like a little milk crate with, with a skis and a, and a little track. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And it was uh, myself. And the Clute brothers, Gary and Ryan Clute, who are some other Canadian racers, Gary has done some some NASCAR stuff and a couple of truck races and all that. And we so we were about you know two and a half, three years old, and our parents made a little oval track on the frozen lake up at the cottage, and we were racing around. So that that was my exposure to racing. Right, it was skidoo's on a on a on a frozen lake. Yeah. And then those two guys, Gary and Ryan, went on to start in carts quite a bit earlier than I did. I, I always wanted to race, but I think my mom and Dad knew just because I was into cars and ATVs and all that and skidoos and very techy that it would probably dominate you know, my interests and, and life. So they really wanted me to be exposed to other sports and academic pursuits before I went uh, fully into racing. So that's why I didn't really start until I was 14. But I still was keeping at it. They're like, hey, I want to try this go-karting thing. And they finally let me. That's kind of how I got in, into racing. From a car standpoint, you know, my, my dad's always been a car guy. He's got, he has a couple old muscle cars that, that have been stored and that's kind of one of his passions and like that exposure to cars at a young age was kind of the genesis for the in the automobile but the racing was all the skidoos yeah yeah it sounds like it was there a first special and i usually ask my guests a first special car in your life and if you want to talk about that but we could also ask it this way what was the first race car you got in that you really felt like i'm here this is real i'm racing first race car so my first experience in open wheel racing was a uh, at the time it was Formula Ford, but you know for Formula sixteen hundred at most sport, and that being such an iconic track that those early races were really pivotal and really key to kind of cementing that that love for racing. That was a, a you know, grade twelve or so, did a half a season there. The first time that I really jumped in a car and was like, okay, wow, this is like a real serious race car. I was doing a test with a team, and it, it was around the same time, but. Through Cardin, I'd won like a, it was a, if you remember the Formula BMW series, it was oh. tested basically a Formula BMW car, but the team was also there with like a, a Formula Atlantic car. And at, at like the, the end of the day, they let me hop in, the, hop in the Atlantic car for 10 laps or so. And this was, that was like the first year that I would actually been driving open wheel cars. And just to hop, hop in that car, it was like an eye-opening experience as just to how fast they were. Yeah, so that, that was you know, kind of early on. Yeah, very cool. Well, I'll bet no one's asked you this. At least I hope not. I'm going to be a bit of a, I guess, a psychologist with you today, Dalton. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, could be a race car, could be a street car, doesn't really matter. This isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive your personal attributes manifest in a vehicle. What would Dalton be? And more importantly, why? Probably a Land Rover Defender. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I always love it when this the answer to this question goes somewhere I have no idea why. So Land Rover Defender, very cool vehicle. Why that? I don't know. I For one, I've just always had an obsession with them. They're, they're like a, from a, a car standpoint, I really love them. I think, you know, I'm the type of person that's like, I kind of wear many hats, right? Like I have the engineering side, the racing side, yeah. um, and, and all that. And like, you know, you, within, just as a race car driver, it's like you're an athlete, you do your marketing, you're, you know, contracts like the, the whole thing right so you, there, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do and i 
I feel like I'm the type that like I'm pretty adaptable and I can you know learn how to do things well uh, on a across like a broad range of topics. And I feel like the Land Rover Defender is that kind of vehicle, right? It's like yeah. they can be like a nice city truck, but they're also a very highly off-road truck, and you know, they're kind of unique and all that. I don't know. That's yeah. So a car that I feel like the most spiritual connection to. I like it. Good <laughs> answer. I love it. Great answer. All right. We're earning what I call the last a lap. You've been here many times. The white flag's out. The checkered is in the distance. I'm going to ask you a bunch of kind of quick questions. Expect some quick answers from you. And here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your successes? Make the bed every morning. Make the bed. Now, I love this. And I, I'll tell you why. My father-in-law was a 35-year Marine. And we've heard this comment about starting your day before from military people. I always say that's why they teach you that. For you, what is that? the significance of that simple practice? It's an anchor in a routine. It's, a, it's, it's discipline, which probably, you know, I'm sure people that are in, in and so that's why they do it in the military. You know, it's the, that routine discipline thing. And it just, for me, it's the first thing in my morning routine. And I guess it's, you know, it's, it's a task that you've completed like before you've gotten out of your, you know, before you've gotten out of your room. So yeah. even if your day sucks, like you still did something. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I always thank my mom for that. She always said, you can't have breakfast till you've made your bed. So uh, yeah, there's an incentive to make your bed. Now, yeah. if I could arrange for you to sit down and enjoy a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive or racing industry, now this could be somebody living or deceased, who would it be? Hmm. Who? Hmm. Tough one. Um, yeah, so many people. Probably Gilles Villeneuve. Oh, okay. Now, there was a, excuse my French, balls out racer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Villeneuve, yeah, what a guy. And I loved watching him race. I mean, he was just a, uh, what is it about his history, about the kind of racer he was that would make you want to enjoy a meal with him? I mean, I do remember hearing that he got to start racing Skidoo, so I guess we'd have something to talk about there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's maybe it's one of those things where it's you know, I, I obviously never got to see him race as he, he passed the before I, I was born, but just his legendary status as a, as a Canadian F1 driver, I think that would be really that would be a, an, an interesting conversation to have. And he, no, I just like I said, he's just one of those true racers, right? It would be really great to hear his his hear his stories and kind of his, his experience driving those cars. Yeah, amazing, amazing racer, just uh, and loved in Canada, of course, uh, by so many people. Now, when it comes to racing advice, what's the best advice someone else ever offered to you? I think the, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint who kind of gave me this advice, but so I was never a oval racer growing up. I, I came through the go-karting ranks. I, I really never had any NASCAR aspirations when I was a kid. It was all F1. One was the focus, right? Because that's you know you're a kid and Ferrari has red cars and they're cool and all that. <laughs> yeah. So when I when I raced in the Road to Indy, that my first oval experience was in US 1000, and basically the you know, multiple people have kind of hammered on the point that's like you have to have respect for the ovals because they can come to bite you, and it, it, it's the type of track that you have to kind of chip away at slowly. And I think that kind of suits my personality and driving style. That's probably why I have I've tended to have good success on on the oval tracks. Yeah, the oval tracks are interesting. Uh, I, I've uh, had uh, Ari Leyendyke on the show, and he was talking about the first time going around an oval track and having to force yourself to do what your mind said don't do. 
yeah. <laughs> on corners. For instance, uh, keeping your foot into it, thinking there's no way I can keep my foot into this and make this corner. And it you, keeps the car more stable, so you got to. <laughs> I know, but it's yeah. everything in your brain says, corner, slow down, corner, slow down. So yeah, absolutely. Now, when it comes to great resources, is there one that's a go-to for you? This could be a website that you frequent, an app that you use, uh, a supplier, a person in your life, some kind of resource that you're constantly finding yourself going back to. So I've, I've been working with um, Aaron Manning as my kind of driver coach and mentor for the last, last few years. And he's been a great uh, help and great kind of mentor to help me with driving and then you know, all the other stuff that comes with being, being a race car driver. So having, yeah. having him around to kind of guide me through this process has been uh, very helpful. And then just my you know, family support structure, mom and dad and my wonderful girlfriend, Nicole, they've been kind of great, especially this rookie year. It's been a lot of ups and downs. So it's been great to have them there. Absolutely. And you got a great dog too, a big German Shepherd. I do, yeah. Yeah, Poppy. She's hanging around somewhere. We haven't heard her part. <laughs> haven't heard her yet. No, she's she's chilling this morning, which is a good thing. Now, uh, Dalton, is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would glean some great information from? Maybe something you've read recently? Recently. I read it last year. A book that I actually really enjoyed uh, was Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. I knew- Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now, what, no, wait a minute, Mr. Smart Guy. What is the title of that again? Astro and astrophysics. Oh, astrophysics. <laughs> yeah, astrophysics for people in a hurry. Um, basically, he takes like you know six or so topics with, within that big brush of astrophysics and breaks them down. Yeah. You know, like the Big Bang, time travel, like those, like those sort of flashy sci-fi kind of questions, right? And breaks them down in like real science, and it's very grounded in like readable and accessible uh, language and i think that's a that's for for someone that wants to kind of dip their toes in that sort of stem higher science concept world mm-hmm. i think that's a great book it's short it's really readable well written so that's one i would recommend well nobody's ever recommended that book so i love it when i get a new book here on car show a reminder our listeners i'll put that book and all these great resources on dalton Kellett's show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com and type his name in there and you'll find that. Uh, also, there's a great place on the Carsyad website called Guest Recommended Books. There's over 1,700 books listed there, all with easy clicks to buy. You could fill an entire library with some very cool books that my inspiring automotive enthusiasts have recommended. All right, Dalton, we're almost to the fish line. We can see the checkered flag waving. I'm going to buy you a very cool car today. I'm going to buy you any kind of cool Fun car, collectible car, something that you can enjoy on the weekends, not a daily driver, something really fun to park in your garage. But like any sponsor, there's a couple rules to this game, and today <laughs> I'm your sponsor. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with or fund another racing team. I want you to drive it and enjoy it. No garage queens here, no dust collectors allowed. Uh, but here's the hard part. It's the only one very cool collector car that you can park in your garage, so it needs to tick a lot of boxes for you. So what am I buying Dalton Kellett today. Hmm. Um. Well, if it was like I said, no garage queen, so the, the Ferrari F40 is out, out out the window, I guess. Well, um, no, no, no. Now, look, <laughs> you, you. There's plenty of people that actually drive those things. I have a friend True. up here in the Northwest that takes his out and even in the rain and enjoys it. Wow. So good for him. So if you want like a, speed if speed you want a Ferrari F40, <laughs> you know, great analog. Basically an F1 car for the street, right? Yeah. I think that if I had to have like daily driver and then like one of kind course. of collector car, yeah. it, it would probably be the F40. That's, yeah. That's my, like it's just that, that, you know, last sort of analog supercar, very oh, yeah. cool, you know, cool lines. Like it goes right along with like the, 
like the F-14 Tomcat for the streets kind of thing, <laughs> like old school, yeah. last of the analog beasts kind of thing. I think that might be it for me. Well, plus you can drive it on the track too, so it can go sure. real fast in a safe environment and uh, still have some fun on the street and not be too crazy. Now, uh, so that I get you the right one here, <laughs> what color would you like yours to be? Oh, red. Rosso sure. red, of course. Yep. Yeah, traditional. All right. Have you ever had the chance to drive one of those things? No, never. I got to drive one a little bit. Nothing crazy. I tell you the thing that impressed me was how rough it is. You, mm-hmm. you look at the Ferraris today, how polished and perfect they are. Yeah. It's, well, it's a, like a, it's like a, a like a, a string to pull the door open. Yeah. Right? Isn't it? Oh yeah. Is yeah. Like yeah. You can Ford. see the weave of the carbon through the paint, and you get in that thing. You feel like you're in a race car, and when you put your foot into it, you better know what you're doing because <laughs> it turns into this monster thing yeah it's it's absolutely spectacular i would love to park one of those in your garage i think that'd be pretty cool dot you've taken me on a great ride today i really appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us i know your schedule's crazy it's been hard to get you on this show but i'm glad that we finally did i want to do a shout out to uh dina marie white of dina white pr she was kind enough to connect us today so thank you very much for that before i let you go though what's one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer the cars yeah audience before you rip off down the track in that ferrari f40 you know i think uh in a year where obviously our our lives and our everything's been kind of shaken with covid you know i've i've definitely found a lot of enjoyment spending time with, with friends and family so take those experiences when you can and um if you're a race fan, we have a bit more free time now. Now's a great time to expand your horizons and you know, don't just stick to that one form of motorsport that, that you like. If you're an IndyCar fan, branch out to you know, IMSA or F1. If you're an F1 fan, check out IndyCar. And you know, I think you know, now's a great time to see what else is out there in the motorsports world. So absolutely, hopefully see, hopefully see you at the track someday. Absolutely. I would love that. What's the best way for people to keep up with your fast pace? So you can follow me on social. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Dalton Kellett. There might be an underscore between there on the, on the Twitter page. Yep. Darren and I actually do a, a weekly podcast. We'll have to get you on there sometime. It's the uh, D2 Speedcast live on Twitch. Be honored. Dalton Kellett is my channel. And, uh, yeah, those are the main outlets. And then my website as well, DaltonKellett.com. Absolutely. Again, I'll make sure I put links to all of these on Dalton's show notes page so you can find them in case you're driving or walking or racing whatever you're doing while you're well you probably wouldn't be listening to a podcast when you're racing but maybe (laughs) maybe when you're out there on the track having some fun i'll make sure you can link uh try to keep up with this guy if you can you're you're going great places dalton i have no doubt congratulations to all your successes and where you've gotten i want to thank you for spending some time with us today this has been great fun until you and i talk again i'll see you either at the racetrack or down the road thanks mark talk to you later you're welcome Let's step away from the conversation and talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. Among these nonprofits is TechForce Foundation, a great organization dedicated to solving the technician shortage that threatens the transportation industry today. By providing career development resources and increasing awareness and enthusiasm for the tech profession, TechForce is bringing bright young students into the auto 
diesel, aviation, marine, motorcycle, motorsports, and restoration worlds. To date, they've awarded more than $10 million in scholarships and grants to tech students. And in times like these, I don't have to tell you how essential those techs are. Keeping our delivery and emergency vehicles running and keeping America rolling. To learn more about TechForce or to make a donation to this cause, visit www.techforce.org. You'll be glad you did. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!